back to your thing about weed, I don't fuck with weed at all. I get yeah. really bad anxiety. Yeah. I uh, I don't fuck. I like CBD, but even like CBD was giving me anxiety, so I, I stopped it. But I think I might get back on it again because I've been having like panic attacks, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's just stress and whatever. But I just not been feeling it. But um, my girlfriend she she's high all the time. Yeah, yeah, she fucking she smokes. She smokes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Have you used Have you used CBD stuff in the past? Was yeah, it, I have. I used to get the panic uh, attacks, or was it just for like funsies? Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. On this episode, I talk with San Francisco comedian Connor Marshall. We talk about comedy in San Francisco during the time of COVID. We also talk about presumptive president-elect Joe Biden. We talk about many issues uh, going on in the city, and uh, I hope you have a good time and enjoy. All right. All right. All right, man. All right. <laughs> I'm, with, uh, I'm with my man Connor. Oh, yeah. Want to tell a little bit about yourself? Uh, I don't. I'm you. My name's Connor. I'm from Vegas. Connor Marshall. Uh, I do stand up comedy. That's what I do. So that's why I brought you on this podcast because I met you through work yeah. and um, I saw <laughs> that you're into comedy. Work at a pizza place. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a pizza place where you <laughs> yeah. you meet the most like the craziest individuals from all walks of life. Yeah, it's a, it's just in crew over there. It's dope though. It's a dope pretty it's a pretty dope little crew over there. I, I love that dynamic that we have there and stuff. But meeting you there, I saw that you're into comedy, but I didn't know that you're a comedian and I didn't know that you're a local comedian. And so to me that sparked my interest and I was like so intrigued and I, I kept asking you questions. I wanted to see when you're performing. I saw a couple of times you did stand up at milk bar, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, what got you into doing stand up? Uh I did it in high school. I did. I think I just was forced by teachers to like start talking in front of class, and I think I just. I was also an altar boy. I was also an altar boy when I was a kid, so I spoke in front of people at church and was like, oh, this is dope. But then eventually I was like, I think I just saw comedians my senior year of high school and was like, oh shit, I, this is, I, and I didn't want to go to college. I think that was a huge thing. I was like, what the fuck am I going to do next? So how long have you been doing comedy? Like, this is going to be 10 years now. 10 years? Yeah. So when I was like 17, it's crazy to say. Do you feel like you're yeah. starting to break in now at the 10 year mark? I feel like, um, I don't know. I think like it's a different point for everybody. I think where I'm at with comedy, I think right now with com- stand-up comedy is artist like with Corona and shit with it's all kind of died. <laughs> we seen how fucking like how unimportant it is and how little we need it as a society. When shit went down, no one was going to stand-up comedy shows. No, I wouldn't. I love comedy and I was not. No, like, no, even, no one were like, hey, let's go figure out what the fuck, you know, Tom Green has to say about this shit. No one cared. No one was going to cops still. They couldn't. Well, that was it. The regulations put it in place where everyone stayed at home and there was no comedy going on. All you had to watch was old specials. I Netflix. totally get it, though. I totally understand. I wouldn't risk my life for a local comedy show. I didn't want to go and do it. I still am worried about, like, running a show. Have you done one since? I have, yeah, I have done, I did one last week for the first time in six months, and that's the longest, that's the longest period of time I haven't done stand-up in ten years. So where'd you do it at? I did it at Milk Bar. Okay, and how did that go? It was outside, it was, the crowd was attentive, the crowd, everyone now, in San Francisco at least, hasn't been to shit, like, we all stayed inside for a really long time, so now the few people who were like, look, I gotta go do something for a second, and I'll be socially distanced, and we'll try to do it as responsibly, as cool as we can, those people were so excited to see a show. So you see a need for it? Yeah, now I see people wanting to go, like, it's like, it felt like relief, like, it felt like a fucking sigh over the crowd, like, everyone was just so 
it felt like they haven't relaxed outside of the house in months. So I know Milk Bar has been doing that lately for the past couple of weeks. And I, mm-hmm. since I work in the area and I drive, I drive by there. And um, when I do drive by there, you know, I'll stop. I literally would just stop in my car, roll down my window and yeah. listen for a little bit. And you know, some of the jokes, whatever, but whatever, I yeah. see the crowd and you're right. Like there, it's, there's people there and they're excited for comedy. They're excited. They're, really they're uh, and it's not like they're all drunk and no. they're just there and they want something. And I see that need for people wanting um, to have, uh, you know, a break from whatever it is going on in this crazy political climate and the world and COVID and everything. Yeah. Um, how did your set go? My set went really well. I, it was like, it it just fucking flowed, dude. Right when I got up, it just felt like it was normal again. Just felt like, oh shit, like, no, this is just, this is the same thing. I've done this. You know what I'm saying? Did you get a lot of writing in during this downtime? With I, well, I came back and I had a couple new things. There was a few new things I had, but I wanted to, I did some shit I liked. <laughs> I did some jokes and I was like, I'm going to, if this is going to be my first time back, I'm going to make sure I'm feeling comfortable and shit. And I, I felt good. All the shit that I wanted to work worked and it worked how I wanted so it to So when you say you came back, um, did you stay in San Francisco for the during COVID? I did. Um, I actually went up to and saw my parents for a little bit. My parents live in Olympia, Washington. I was just in like the woods for a couple months. And then I've been back down here, yeah, just back and forth. How was that break going over there? It was cool. It's really chill up. It's different. There's a lot of. It's very in the middle of. Uh, very liberal, like Antifa shit and fucking Proud Boy shit. Uh, it's like right in, that's kind of the Olympia, Portland area. It's like, that's where those worlds are kind of colliding. And it's interesting. You go to the grocery store and you kind of see both and it's strange. It's like, it's weird? it was a little weird. It's a little weird when you see dudes with, you know, like fucking, I saw a bunch of like Ted Cruz stickers on the back of the car and she's like, this is, there's a lot of Trump stuff. Most of the people in the place where my parents live were like are Trump type folk mm-hmm. small really small town folk so your parents live in a little small like suburb yeah they live in like uh like a little bit outside of a city so okay. kind of, yeah country type shit and i know a lot of people think like san francisco is just like super like antifa place well what i see online but like yeah. it's not no no, it's no, no. not here it's very liberal other... it's very less it's liberal but, but Portland's it's not the antifa shit. yeah it's that's not here no, no one's destroying shit here when people say that i'm just or when i see it online i'm you just like hey, you guys, yeah. i don't think you've ever right. been here no 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 because it's not like that here it's you know I, I don't know it's it's definitely not destructive here all the protests and shit have actually been really peaceful here as far as like where in, in consideration to portland especially with the rest of the country yeah i mean we had a situation where people were downtown breaking and looting stuff but that was, that was like six people that was yeah they were all youngsters too, and it was, yeah, they that was looking, for a minute they were looking for an excuse those motherfuckers were just like looking for shit they weren't like hey, tifa <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> Like they were like writing on bricks and throwing to the top window. Like I was driving because I live by a Golden Gate Park, and I'm 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 driving down the park on my way home, and I saw Antifa people for the first time, and I knew it was them because they were like dressed like in black like yeah, cloak yeah. or whatever you say i don't know they're all black and they i are. and i saw like them run across the street like right like coming <laughs> off and i almost hit one i'm like what the heck and then later that day they were like protesting to take down a statue in the park mm-hmm. and i was just like oh, oh so that's what it is about yeah. that's how I, was. I think those people might be in oakland i think i think that shit might be in oakland honestly because i've seen it i've seen those people roam around Oaks. yeah and like so if it is in the bay area i don't think it's, it's too much in san francisco yeah i don't i don't know but being but 
being in a place that had both Antifa and Pro, that must be like a whole different dynamic that I'm not aware of at all. You know, I've never, I don't want to be in that situation. Yeah. And just that, that climate of being around them. It's, oh, man, I was it's in West Virginia like, a couple weeks ago. Um, and that that shit, out there. <laughs> just visiting family. Uh, and there is like, like when you go to the grocery store, the Kroger out there, Mm-hmm. Like people who don't wear masks, they don't wear masks in your face, and they look at you like I mean I'm sorry to say it, but they look at you like faggot. Like you know I don't, I don't like that word, but that you could tell that's just what they're emanating by you just wearing a mask. Did you wear a mask when you did your uh, set? Uh, they clean the mic in between every comedian. We all uh, wear masks offset, um, but they sanitize the mic in between. Okay, because that would be weird if you're doing your set and have to have a mask on. No, I've also been tested like now two or three times. You get so. a test before you do the set? Is that like the requirement? No, 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 it's not. It, we um, in one of they actually didn't do our. I think they took our temperature. I don't think that they. I didn't take a test before. We didn't have to do that. But I now know that some mandates might be coming out. There might be more restrictions in San Francisco as far as performance wise. I think they're going to be doing a, like a little bit of a... They're going to be making sure it's more secure. The city, at least. Making sure everyone's safe. So which say, I respect. I so you say you're from Vegas. Yes. Um, were you, did you ever live at a time in West Virginia? Or you just have family? No, I, I just got... Uh, my girl's family's out there. Oh, so you Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which goes to your grandma's house. Okay, that, yeah. that's cool. I'm, it's probably very rural out there. It's a whole different world. I've never yeah. been to East Coast. <laughs> yeah. And Yo, so... This shit's... Yeah. <laughs> I don't hate all those was, people out there. They're living... No, they were totally happy. living like... And the thing is, I went everywhere, and everyone could kind of tell like it was weird they could kind of look at us like we were california folk like, like i got that about yeah they kind of had that look on well i remember being in a subway and a couple guys i'm 27 there's a couple dudes who were around our age with their mother and i they all had two of Matt Trump hats on i remember them looking at us like and looking at us like you guys don't live here do you <laughs> even the lady at the kroger she's like do you have a kroger card and i was like no she's like so you're not from here and i was like damn like everyone's got a kroger card <laughs> It's just how small this place is. But yeah, it is that small. Was it beautiful though? Like it was beautiful. The surrounding, yeah, it was on the Ohio River. It was incredible. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was really beautiful. The house was like cool, old. Um, everywhere you went, actually there it was half Biden flags, half Trump flags. But there was a lot of flags. Like... <laughs> Like a lot of houses had flags on. I don't see hard. I hardly see any like flags out here, and it's like I don't. I don't know. People, because people here are supposed to like buy. <laughs> the only people that like Trump are closeted. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't see one Trump twenty twenty. No, man. Not one of the But flag. you know, one motherfucker voted for Trump in San Francisco. Yeah, like forty five thousand yeah, bunch. People. Yeah, yeah. there's people. I like, yeah. and that's okay. Like I see. I it's know people. Bunch are gonna I like. I don't care. Vote you want to vote. They just can't say that shit because it's not cool. They're not gonna get their so it's gonna be hard to party and shit. It's just it's not chill in San Francisco. Yeah, I probably don't want to party with them. If I don't know them, but yeah. like you know, do your own thing. I don't care. For sure, yeah, yeah. But once I know, I'm like, I don't need to be around that shit. <laughs> it's all good. You know, I have your friends that you know supported back home and family members and stuff. But I, like I said, I I talked to this with my friend like in another podcast about like vote whoever you want to vote for, but be educated about it. Just don't do it for the wrong and silly reasons yeah. and. There's no point in the end, like, are we just going to hate each other because of the, the vision we have, like, picking these sides? It's, and I get it. Some people, like, really don't want to associate with the other side, and they have their reasons, and that's okay. But I'm, for myself, I'm not going to just totally cancel those people. Like, what am I going to do? Like, count, like delete them off social media, and I'm going to do all, like, did that do anything? <laughs> it just makes yourself be more in a bubble. Yeah. And I don't try to put myself in that bubble, but I'm still gonna be myself. And if they don't like it, then all right, yeah. whatever. We're in a little bit of a bubble. I forgot how much we're in a bubble until oh, I went to West Virginia. And I was like, 
oh shit, man, that bubble I live in is pretty dope. <laughs> it's, it's pretty huge. chill. Even the the hatred here, it's all under wraps. It's still there. There's still racism in San Francisco. It's still not like a, the best. There's still how many Trump voters here? Like, there's still like a decent amount of people, but yeah, we are more left and more right than I've ever seen in my life. People are more divided and are not listening more than I've ever seen. So what does politics. that mean in, in the terms of like the comedy world? Does that make a difference? I am happy now that Trump's out of office that I don't have to hear his fucking name ever again. I'd like people who just wrote on those Trump jokes for four years, bye. I'm so happy you're gone. I don't want to hear the dumb joke about him anymore. Honestly, it's it's incredible to see him leave. I Walking here was the, one of the most amazing walks I've ever had in my entire life. There's people screaming in the streets. There's people cheering. I woke up with music and people yelling. I heard a lady playing God Bless America on a flute on my way here. I swear to God, as loud as she could out of her window, like there was people hugging and crying in the streets. And I'm not even exaggerating. There was a couple of people hugging and crying in the streets. Like, I, oh my God, what a beautiful day today is. I haven't seen anyone yet. Maybe when it's I should get outside the house. the fuck around. It's incredible outside. It's one of the most amazing days I've ever lived. So when you talk about uh, like Trump jokes and stuff, are those like gimmicky or like... It's just easy. He sucks. All you have to do is say what he said again and people laugh at it because if you're any kind of logic, like this, the fact that he said that's crazy. <laughs> So I'm happy he's gone. It's going to be cool to watch America tell him that he's fired. It's going to be so, it's going to feel so amazing. Did you have any like Trump material? No, I, I don't want to mention his name. I had a thing on voting and every time I did mention his name, it turned, it made the crowd, it brought him a different, I didn't, you don't have to address his name. I don't want to give him any kind of, I didn't want to make any of my jokes about him. Yeah, that's what I, I was over that type of like comedy. Like those were like, it sucks. To me, it was like, <laughs> it sucks it was so bad. Play and it, it was like, so terrible. And then the, the type, it was like, I'm it wasn't funny. It's like, not funny. It wasn't funny to me. Like some of the jokes I saw out there, it was just like really like you're just playing to your so, own yeah. like, bubble. And pandering like, as fuck. I mean, all, this city is very pandering. As far as comedy goes, the people who are like thriving are just telling like San Francisco what the fuck they want. And that, that's what I don't like about that type of comedy. Yeah. And, no, it's um, whack shit. I, take that shit to West Virginia. See what the fuck a West Virginia crowd's gonna do that shit. They're gonna tear you apart. They're gonna boo you off. They're gonna call you dumb. So how would you use comedy or how would you write for a comedy that will play here and play there? Talk the truth. Just be real. You could say you should be able to say shit in front of San Francisco, white crowds, and take it anywhere else and it do just as good. Do you switch up when you play in different states or when you do I switch up for age range. <laughs> when I speak to young people, I try to fuck with them a little bit because I think they're a lot more PC and I think that they need to lo loosen up a little bit. I get what they're doing and it's positive for a good change. We, our rhetoric and our, the way we speak should be more polite. And with the older crowd, I like to mess with them. I love messing with the old people. I, partially because I think their ideals are ruining what's happening in America and the generation should die off, but <laughs> I think I'm done with them. I'm done with old people, man. You guys ruin shit. It sucks. No one young is in charge and it sucks because it's our future. I remember, around. I remember when I uh, saw one of your sets and I remember one of your jokes you had about old people and I was like, oh. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not with them. Right? I mean, watch on the news, man. Look at all these old people fucking everything up. It's all old people. It's all old people. It's no one, no one young is making a decision for us. And it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Biden's better, but he's still fucking old as fuck. I know. That's the he's thing. He's old as fuck, man. I don't know how you lose, but now nah, 
I want uh, Trump supporters to know like how it feels to lose Joe Biden. As someone, <laughs> I supported Bernie Sanders in the yeah. primaries, and I went hard for him. I was and Bernie, yeah, and uh, now you know the feeling what it what it what it feels like to lose to Joe fucking Biden. Like yeah, it rules. It sucks, and <laughs> you're gonna feel it for a while. And I know it's forever, sucks, but he's gonna contest it as long as he can, and then even after that, he's gonna call bullshit for the rest of his life. He's yeah. never in his brain. He never lost this, and he's and never going to. That's because he's never lost anything. <laughs> He's, you look at him. That's a dude who's never lost anything. And that's that's fine. You, you, however you want to think about yeah, it. For sure. We're going to move the chapter. Yeah. Gonna <laughs> yeah, going. It's fine. He's it just going to move out. Yeah. It happens. It happens. It does. Take the L, homie. That's Take a it. big L. <laughs> that's a big L. It's dope. The streets are... San Francisco is incredible. So how do you feel about the comedy scene now in San Francisco going forward? Uh, when the COVID situation, hopefully we're able to, you know, get vaccines and... And we, we can start going back out to the public again and having uh, comedy shows in venues. I understand it's not going to be anytime soon, but in the future, do you have visions of what you want the comedy scene in San Francisco to like move towards? Or are you um, looking at getting out of the comedy scene in San Francisco? I mean, I always do stand up. That's all I, that's my thing. It's like, oh, that's all I do. That's my number one thing. So I just have to figure out how to fucking flow with it, dude. You got to figure out, okay, now we can't be inside. Okay, what do we do? We got to go outside. Okay, how do we go outside and be safe and be responsible with what's going on and make sure the people in the audience feel safe and cool with what's going on and be able to bring them a good show with just responsibly. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's coming back here at least, but we were so responsible with it. There was parts of America who were running shows this whole time. Texas was selling out clubs a month ago. Like, <laughs> there's parts of the country who are like, either fuck this or never paid attention to it in the first place. So do you envy that or do you think like, uh... I, it's really tough because even now doing the show I did, I was like, I don't know how great it is we're all gathering in one space. <laughs> like, even how, I need crowds. I spend three or four nights a week for 10 years, like, just with strangers, you know what I'm saying? But now I'm like, I don't know if this is good if we all get together and it's weird to think so you know you always say you need crap. have you tried or have you seen like the virtual like zoom um stand-ups i don't want it it's not the same <laughs> i have i've seen it i've seen the shows i've been asked to do some of the shows and i've done none of them because i i can't i just can't do it it's really weird it's like it's really weird you're talking without an audience mm -hmm. and as someone that talks to people you have to see how they're engaged right? yeah you can't see if an audience is not liking it no it's weird if you vibe it's the vibe that's the coolest part about stand-up is that we're all that's we're all doing the same thing right now that's all like you know we're all vibing together what was your favorite set that you've ever done um there was i ran a couple of shows in sylvan house when i would run shows there those were the best sets so I what's ever. sylvan house Someone house it was, it's not really a thing anymore. But when I moved here, it was a house full of, it's why I moved here. It was a house full of only comedians. There was about 10 or 15 comedians there at the time. And we all lived as cheap as we could. This is in San Francisco? This is in San Francisco, yeah. It's in the arrangement. It's kind of still here, but it's a house full of 10 comedians. I ran shows upstairs and it was just a crazy good time. I could fit 50 people in my upstairs and it was roaring every time. You guys had shows inside the house? Yeah, it was, uh, wow. yeah, it was, those were some of my best good sets because all the people there I knew. They were all familiar with me, so it felt like my crowd. It didn't feel like I was doing a show at a bar. It felt like this is my audience. 
And did you guys charge anything like that? No, I never charged anything because I never wanted any people to pay money because it was too many people. There would have been too much money. And the last house I lived in a venue in Denver that did donations at the door for, they did like punk shows and stuff. And they got caught up. And I think it was because there was any money being involved. Uh, when there's too many people in a place and there's too many donations or payments of some kind going on, someone's going to get in the middle. Oh, city wants their money too. For sure. Every, someone wants a cut. It's like they're going to see a money thing happening and wondering what's going on. So how many different places have you lived and did comedy? I lived in two different houses. I've lived at Mouth House that was a place for all musicians. It was about 17 or 18 musicians in Denver and I, they ran mostly music shows there and I ran, started running shows there. A few comedians lived there. A few really funny, Sam Talent, um, Nate Balding, a bunch of like really cool dudes. Like Finland, but uh, then I moved over to Sylvan because I knew it was a similar living situation and I knew I could pay 400 bucks to live in San Francisco and that's fucking crazy. <laughs> so when did you move to San Francisco? Uh, seven years ago. Seven years ago. I think six or seven. Six or seven years ago. Do you consider that a, a great move for your comedy career? It was great, yeah. Even my One of my first albums I ever bought was by a San Francisco comedian, Alex Cole. He's a really weird guy. But he was, when I was really young, I was like, oh, that's really interesting. You could be really strange on stage and people will just find it interesting. And San Francisco is a, a hub for, I mean, it's a staple in comedy stand-up it's always been i've heard like i've heard the comedy scene here was great they used to do the festival um here the do you know what i'm talking about the festival yeah they did sketch fest i've done sketch before they um they've done a couple there's a comedy central um festival here i know they do that one downtown i know there's sketch fest and sketch fest now it it was kind of bad it was whack the past two years it really was whack um i did it the first two years i lived here and it was actually kind of funny sorry they we showed up to the venue and i'm like this is my first big festival like this is really cool. I'm in. I'm downstairs. There's like Todd Glass and Daniel Tosh hanging out in the lobby. I'm like, oh my god, they're just hanging out. This is fucking crazy, right? I'm so fucking nervous. It's like a really cool big show for me as a young person. I was like 21 at the time, 2021, 20, and we go upstairs to this room and there's about 10 people inside. And then I they told us that Todd Glass and Daniel Tosh were performing at the theater below us at the same time. Oh, wow. And that's why there were so many people in the lobby. <laughs> And so literally when I was on stage, I could feel the people laughing at Daniel Tosh and I could hear his voice. Did that give you energy? It was hilarious. It was so fucking funny and it was a fun show and it was full of like, it was a dope crew of people. It was a killer lineup. So why do you think um, Sketchfest has changed? I know for me, it's changed uh, in my short time being here Mm -hmm. and I don't like the direction it was going. Mm -hmm because that's not the type of company I like. I'm not really into like that whole identity uh, type of uh, yeah. cultural identity type of um, comedy. I'm like, I like You're raw. have a hard time yeah. in San Francisco then because that's, that's all the fuck it is. And I hate people that. People like, are they're telling a story. They want to be known as a character or a type of person and they really want to talk about it. They really want to, the identity is huge here. It's maybe the biggest thing in comedy. And can you explain more of like why that is or what, what do you think um, like identity comes or comedy is or like culture I think people are trying to find themselves and I think they're trying to do it on stage but I think that unless you're like I know great female lesbian comedians who and I know straight white male comedians and all different I know every kind of comedian that but not everyone talks about just that. I don't just talk about being a straight white guy. That's not my whole thing on stage. I talk about my thoughts and other shit that's going on. If you go on stage and you're just one thing, you're just dual, like single note, it's just like one dimensional, then it's not fun for me. You're just trying to sell a character. Yes. And you're trying to sell yourself. I want to see you do stand up. 
to me, that's kind of like pandering. It is. To the crowd that we have here. And I know the crowd here in San Francisco is a little bit different compared to other places. And I've been to comedy shows here in the city and I've been to comedy shows at the Laugh Factory yeah. and also at the Comedy Store in LA, which are great venues. And it's good to see, um, you know, it wasn't, the, that type of comedy wasn't there. And yes, there are a lot of big name people that were in those shows, but there are also unknown names I've never even heard of that were there and they're killing it. Mm-hmm. And they were funny. It was generally funny. funny. Yeah. It was raw. It was, yeah. it was like You're seeing a real, way better show like well-written material and that's what i like and it's no it's no hating or diss to that type of comedy people do here in san francisco but it's not the comedy that i like i don't i don't really you know i don't fuck with it i I don't either i don't i don't like it it's just whack it is I want comedy here to be raw and real. And I want people to like get to the point of like wanting to cancel that person because okay. I, I wouldn't just nothing gets me more than just to put it in people's face yeah. and, and, and just to be out there to get people's reaction, but not overboard. Like I know some people go the opposite way and they go overboard to like get like a super reaction yeah. just to like that thing comes off annoying and it comes off like uh, I want funny shit I want fun I don't want just reaction I want actually you're telling a story and you're getting people engaged and you're you're making people think critically and you're making people like oh what and then you hit them with another one and you hit them with another one and you're just like damn I've only had I've had that happen here in the city like a couple of That's comedians mm-hmm. and I'm just like damn. well comedians here now are business majors they're people who have regular tech jobs or like but like you know downtown jobs who want to run a comedy show on their off time so they're now producing these shows and now it's just like a group of people who are like they're hobbyists and that you're hit on so there's a, a venue in like the tenderloin and it's called like the basement yeah the basement and that one's run by a guy that he works in the tech field and so it's like it you see that in the city a lot it's, it's the like, culture here the culture is in the cult we can't exist like like sylvan house it doesn't exist anymore that's <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore because it couldn't it shouldn't have and there's nothing against the there's nothing against the basement i like the no. venue it's really cool it's really like, cool but it's just what you're describing is that's the type of character or type of person that you run that people doing comedy not comedy people doing comedy business people should run put on shows comedians should perform the problem is is where you have the funds or like the money to make that happen and trying to get the access or the resource to make to have the access for people to come in to see mm-hmm. and well, that's the hard part yeah but i mean poor people can't even live here anymore most comedians most of the comedians i like now in the city are in oakland so you said uh, most comedians here in, in this in the city, you know, can't afford to live here. Um, <laughs> and why is that? Is like, does comedy pay well or? Not even kind of. No, I mean, I've just done stand up for the past 10 years. Um, like I've had like shitty jobs on the side, part-time gigs and stuff, but it's, it doesn't start paying until 10, 15 years in. Like I have, all my friends have been doing it at least 10 years now. I know fucking three guys that are making a living doing it, like a good living doing it. Like people don't really start making a living until 15, 20 years into this thing. And when you say about making a living, are those people like, are they selling out shows? Or are they putting on their own like, um, like TV shows or YouTube? Um, they, no, they're, it's more um, corporate, like not corporate jobs, but like, uh, like television or um, writing or performing. Is that something that you had aspirations to do? Uh, I will still want to. Um, I still, I love stand up and I'll figure out a good fit as far as like where writing, my writing falls, whether it's in like script or just joke writing itself. So last time I talked to you, I I believe you were saying you did a lot of writing for people as far as like writing, like for like, uh, like shows and stuff like that. I mean, I've written my own cartoon. 
I've written a lot of, I've read comic books. I've written like sketches and shit like that. I had a sketch show for a while. So maybe it was that. Was it the whitest kids you know? No, 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 no. I, most of the comedians are in San Francisco are the whitest kids I know though. <laughs> I used to love that show. I'll be honest. They, I, they, I do focus on their shit. Yeah. But I don't see a lot of that anymore. You know, that type of like. Sketch. You can't say, people are afraid to say stuff because they're going to get canceled too quickly. You People don't even want to say what the fuck they think or feel anymore. Have you, do you know any comedians? that got canceled? I, yeah. <laughs> I do know comedians got canceled. There was by... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't have to name any names or anything yeah, like yeah. that, but, like, when you say they got canceled, were they not allowed to perform anymore in the city? Were they just, like, people don't even, like... Um, yeah, people them? don't, people don't, a lot of people don't uh, allow this person to perform anymore. They've chosen to take the opinion of the public, like, like they've courted themselves in their own like in comedy you know what i'm saying they've made their own rules and judged their own judge so they don't fuck with this dude and they don't let a lot of people do it either so he doesn't really perform anywhere he doesn't perform most places most places won't let him perform yeah that's that's pretty rough it sucks yeah i mean but, i don't know what he did i mean mm-hmm. there's reasons to everything but at the same is. time i'm not saying this yeah, <laughs> yeah people, i don't know so because i know a lot of comedians they part of being in comedy is sometimes you have to push the limits and I think that's great, but sometimes there is that here. there is that boundary where you do cross, and sometimes, like even for myself, I'm like, whoa, you know, like. But I, I don't I don't like the aspect of trying to cancel out a comedian because um, he doesn't agree with you because you guys don't think well, the same shit because we don't agree with him or her, whoever it might be. Because I don't know how real counseling is because mm-hmm. we might cancel that person, but they other places are not going to cancel. He that can person, still go right? other places and perform. He's performed other places. Like people can go other places in the country and still perform. I, I think no matter who you, I mean, who really got canceled? Louis still selling out fucking theaters. The one, okay, so <laughs> that one was another thing. Like, Louis, I didn't think that was like a real, like, there people did cancel him, but, you know, he's still doing his thing. The yeah. one person that I know that I got canceled and I have not heard anything about him, and I don't think he's ever going to make a comeback, is Chris D'Elia. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yeah, he did some fucked up shit. He like, did some really weird shit. He did some stuff that he knows is really not cool, and his dad is in the business as well. I don't know who his father is, but his, I don't know. his dad, look up his dad. His dad is like ultra mega, like sitcom producer, like BC grade type shit. It's all this stuff, whatever, but he was born in the industry. And wow. his, so it's not even only like, it's only a legal thing for him, it's a family thing. And it's, it's crazy because I used to like, I used to like watching his podcast. I used to I like, I thought it was weird. <laughs> I, I thought he was funny like was he was weird. weird but he was funny like i used yeah. to like watch you know clips from here and there i used to watch some of his stand-ups and stuff like that but now i don't even care i don't even he want to watch he always looked like a coked up creep to me he always looked like he had a bag on him and he was a weirdo but he said he'd never done anything in his life he didn't even drink he didn't do anything like that like i don't know but, what type of image you're trying to put out there but obviously he's look, Bill what, Cosby was talking about kids' stories his whole fucking well, career. So. The, the, thing about, the thing about Leah was that he, you know, when it came out, everyone was like, yeah, he was Bieber Hole 69. Yeah. Like on the, what was that show, Workaholic. So, yeah, yeah of course. That, like every show he's played in, he's been a creep. So, like, it makes this sense. perfect. Every comedian obviously saw him was like, you're going to be a weirdo. You're going to be a fucking creep in this because that's your role. It's you, what you play best. It comes out naturally. In your career, you know, doing this, uh, you know, comedy and stuff, have you come across people like that? Like weirdos, like people you're like dude what the hell like yeah it's this is the craziest group of people i've ever met in my entire life comedians are the single most insane group of people i've ever met in my entire life i hear that a lot it's the the great ones i mean there are some i've met some of the best people ever though some of the most kind-hearted people who are just like i just want to make people laugh and that's what i want to do with my whole life and i think that's just live your whole life for somebody else i think it's fucking admirable but yeah i've met some of the craziest motherfuckers i've ever seen in my life do you think people say that about you 
Um, I think people probably say both about me. <laughs> Some people might think I'm a crazy motherfucker, but other people know, like, I'm with the shit. Yeah, I mean, I hear that a lot about comedians. I hear there's some people that have, like, really bad depression. There's a lot of uh, addiction that goes in the comedian world, a lot of alcoholism, a lot of substances get used. Yeah. Um, you really don't see that many family comedians. But later on, the ones that get successful. Have kids. Yeah, They have kids because they, they had a kid and were like, fuck, I got to get my shit together because I have a person I have to take care of. It's not just me anymore. I'm not just, like getting enough money during stand-up to feed myself. Now I have to put this motherfucker through school. How much money can you have you made or can you make from doing comedy like on a good week or a good month? Oh, I mean, now, now it's fucking nothing. Clubs don't, until you're headlining, you don't get paid. I know people on TV who are sitting on couches. Like I know people who are on sitcoms who are sitting on couches. And that's the stuff people don't know about. Yeah, yeah, people don't realize that shit. People have no fucking idea. But there's people who you watch on NBC who sleep on couches, who don't live anywhere. And, you know, it's weird. It's really weird. It sounds like a really <laughs> rough... It's a, Yeah, it's fucking hard. But the thing is, when you cash out, that, that cash out, if you stick it, if you're, like, chilling for 20, 25 years and you get, you get some shit because other comedians fuck with you, because that's usually who is the most successful are the cool comedians that other comedians fuck with. Because comics have shows and they want to hang out with their friends. Everyone wants a show where they can hang out with their buds. So for you, what was your inspiration to get into comedy? Who were some of the most influential like comedians uh, of your time or just people in general? Andy Kaufman was the first dude where I was like, oh, this is guys, and I don't know if you know who Andy Kaufman is. He was on the first episode of Saturday Night Live. He's just a performance art, real weird guy. Um, but at first, when I was in high school, I loved that generation on um, the Comedy Central's hot list was like John Mulaney, Kyle Kinane. It was Reggie Watts. Reggie Watts was huge to me. Reggie Watts, like, that dude fucking, he changed my brain. He changed the game for me. I was like, oh, this dude's mad weird and he's the genius. So I love comedy, and but I know those individuals, but I don't know their comedy. You know, I know them because they're, you know, they're like big people in comedy, mm -hmm. uh, big names. Yeah. But I don't ever listen to them or know their type of comedy like what got me into comedy you know being mexican I, george lopez was one of the first ones that like you know he spoke he about yeah. like being stuff mexican like family like families yeah, like relatable shit relatable it was very relatable and i loved it and i love watching it with my family That's what it was yeah gabriel Iglesias, I think? Yeah. Iglesias. yeah him fluffy like it's that listening. relatable shit though it's, it was very relatable but oh, as i there's, there's another one but the other ones that were really uh big for me was dane cook mm -hmm. i fucking love dane cook back school, in the day. that vicious circle um, that was huge Dave Everyone Chappelle. I remember watching Dave Chappelle specials when I was yes. a kid. And I loved Chappelle was, that was the first special I ever saw. That was the first comedian I ever was like, oh, this is comedy. This is what stand-up comedy is. I remember being like four or five and like, wow, this is crazy. I had tickets to go see him and Joe Rogan in New Orleans. And it was back. I get. I think the show was in April. And it obviously it got canceled. But I was so oh, pumped yeah. to finally go see you know both of those people. But Yeah, he's the uh, biggest dude in my brand. So, brand yeah, a lot of so it was Dave Chappelle for me, Dane Cook. Who other comedians were in that I Ralphie May, just people like that. That they, they got me intrigued into comedy. But as I got older, I started, you know, listening to podcasts and listening to comedians and I started getting to a lot more people. Uh, Bobby Lee's one of my favorites. I love watching him. Guy. He's ridiculous on stage. Like he does the most crazy antics. I fucking love going to his shows. I started getting everyone listening to Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. But honestly, I don't really care for his stand-up. Mm -hmm. But I do love that he put me on to so many other comedians and listening. That to is the, a big thing. That's yeah, huge. he put me on to so many mm -hmm. comedians. And my favorite one from the whole 
from him, you know, showing me two communities was Joey Diaz. Yeah. And Joey Diaz is my favorite. Design. And yeah. I fuck I fuck with him so much because like he's real, he's yeah. raw, he's somewhat relatable. He's crazy. He's, it's crazy. a crazy motherfucker that just like he'll, he'll tell you what the fuck's up. He just tells you what he thinks. The shows he puts on, like the energy he puts out it's there, crazy. it's just like he has it dialed down. And it's not because he's barely been doing he's been doing this for like 20 plus years, 25 yeah. plus years. That's the thing. Yeah, people like, don't know about like besides like Chris Rock and a couple other like oh, Chris few Rock, examples. Yeah. Most you don't know most comedians until they're what, 40? You know, right? Like when the fuck did you hear about like Louie or like even Joey Diaz, he was like a forty-five years old. Right? Yeah, they, they he's don't like an old guy. So when I hear stories about like Dave Chappelle doing comedy when he was like going to comedy clubs when he was like a teenager, yeah. or like other comedians that were doing it really young, um, I forget his name. He was the one um, from Saturday Night Live. I've seen him at the, Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson. So I've seen him at the festival they have here, the very... Comedy Central one they had in the downtown. Yeah. Hearing stories or seeing videos on YouTube of him as a teenager going up, That's and I was weird. like. How ballsy do you have to be as a teenager to go up and do that? Yeah, like, dude, I was 17. I got grounded for doing stand-up. Where'd you do it at? I, the first time I did it was actually at my high school. But after that, I would go into bars. I was trying to, like, sneak into – went to some coffee shops, some, like, music open mics. But I was sneaking into bars for four or five years before I was 21. I've always wanted to do a like an open mic. I always wanted to do it, but like I was so I'm so embarrassed, and I get you know like I don't I don't like putting myself out there. I had a hard time doing this podcast, but I'm I was trying to put myself out there more, and I wish I would have like a stand up a long time ago because I I really loved it. I'm just too too full of myself to go on stage. I'm scared of bombing. I'm scared of like everyone it's looking at worst. me and just like telling me like get the fuck out. It's of the worst. Okay, have you, okay, it's. When you go to a party, there might not be, there might be a person or two who doesn't like you. You can stay away from those people. You can be in the other room. You can dodge conversations, right? You, you know, you don't have to fucking go to the party. But with stand up, like, seeing like 50 people hate you is fucking tough. <laughs> you gotta get off stage and be like, wow, nobody liked me that time. How many times everybody did? I mean, it happens. It doesn't really happen anymore. Um, I have sets that I don't think are as good as they should be. I have I'm very hard on myself when it comes to that. That shit stopped two or three years ago. I don't I don't have bad sets anymore. <laughs> they usually have. If being outside's gonna change shit though, this patio shit's gonna change stuff. <laughs> Performing outside as a whole, you're on the street. It's you weird. have to deal with the crowd or like background noise, yeah, cars. Yeah, people dealing with fucking motherfuckers on Hay Street who are you know always wilding out and shit. You know, that's, that's yeah, it's crazy. It's going to be wild. And I understand what you're saying. Like, it's a different dynamic doing outside. I don't know if I've ever been to an outside comedy show before. Yeah, it's different. Um, I've done a couple, like, backyard things, but they were, like, chill as fuck, and there wasn't, like, a bunch of people being feeling weird about shit. You know what I'm saying? And also, I, yeah, it's I was, it's weird, man. <laughs> it's weird to see the crowds. Do you remember the first time you bombed on stage? I don't remember the first time. I remember one time everybody left during I remember one time, I, like, 40 people left. How'd you <laughs> was, feel after that? It was amazing. I had no, like, <laughs> it was at an open mic in Denver, and I said some stuff that I shouldn't, that I'm not going to repeat, and, <laughs> and 40 people left. The bartender looked at me and was like, what the fuck, dude? All my friends, because it was an open mic, there was still, like, five people after me. The dude after me, like, I walked back, and there was, like, two or three comedians who were just crying laughing. They, they, no one had ever seen that before. 
it was amazing. It was probably one of the more, it was probably one of the most incredible things I've ever done. Did you set out to do that or it just happened? I didn't. I said some stuff that I was, I was in a dark place at the time. I, we just, my house had just gotten raided by SWAT, like fucking days before. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. I didn't have anywhere to live. I was really in a fucking dark place. And two of the dudes tried to take the mic from me. <laughs> and like, like almost hit one of them with the mic. Were you drunk at the time? <laughs> no, I didn't drink at the time. I was not completely sober. <laughs> How old were you? I think I was 18 or 19. Oh, so you're a kid at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was 19 at the time. This yeah, was in Denver? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was 18, 19. And did that change your perspective on comedy? Yeah, yeah, I was like, this isn't, I'm not afraid of that anymore. I can say what the fuck I want and it's not, that did, that means a huge change. And I think about it, it was like, I could say whatever I want. This isn't that bad. Even that wasn't that bad. Even that, I still got laughs in the back. There's been times where I've done it and nobody's laughed. And it was incredible to know I had that much power in the life. <laughs> to know that shit that I say has that much weight on humans is, and I could convey that and then hate it that much was like, wow, I got, even if it sucked, it was so powerful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. That's what I'm scared. That's why I don't want to go up. I don't want to go up there. No, dude, I love I've, that story. People will remember yeah. it forever. People, like, I, I've never seen anyone do that. I've seen people get charged on stage. Like I've seen one or two comedians get in a fight, but it's no one's ever. I've never seen that. I've never even heard of that. I've been. It was bad. I really don't like going <laughs> to uh, like stand up nights. Yeah. I do like going to like regular shows that have like you know the regular people or people headlining and stuff. It doesn't even have to be big names. No. I like going to regular shows like in the community. I know there's a local bar out here that will do shows and stuff. We'll go to them. Even Milk Bar, I'll go. But like on stand up nights, to me, those nights are just. People working on material, yes. and then you have people that are going up there that are keep trying that comedy that you should be like, man, you should not do that. Get the fuck out of here. Well, there's some shows here that run bringer shows. You're familiar with what that is? No. A bringer show. <laughs> this is where business in comedy meet. A bringer show is where you invite, you see someone at an open mic, you know they have a bunch of friends because they're like, you know, cool looking younger person, they got a little bit of personality or something, and you put them on your show where you know that there's going to be a venue. They're going to, if it's their second or third time on, on stage, they're going to invite everyone they know. They're going to invite their whole office. You're going to get like 20 people from one person. So some comedians will run a show where every other comic is a bringer. So they'll have like 80 people at the show. It's full, brought by fucking four people. They never pay those comedians. And then the other comedians just get a clean up. The other comedians just look way better, even though a lot of times they're fucking mediocre. <laughs> you, like, sounds kind of fucked up. It is fucked up. It will, what happens is comedian people go to comedy shows and they go, comedy in San Francisco is not good. And I'm like, it is because you're just going to the wrong place. You're just seeing the wrong stuff. And it sucks that the example, the it sucks that the example that's being set here that is comedy's not good right here. No, it's it's in a bad place. Comedy's in the, the worst place I've seen it since I've been here. And yeah, like I really, I'll be honest, not, I, don't, I don't like the comedy out here. It's not, it sucks because I moved out here for it, but all my friends have moved. So many people have traveled elsewhere and it's just not the same scene. It's not, it's not the same place. And the people who live here are much different. The, the culture's just changed. Do you know where the scene's at right now? I mean, it's always LA or New York. Denver is really cool. I don't know. I'm going to be uh, traveling to Portland actually next month to perform for a weekend. So, all right. Did you perform any back when you went to Washington to visit your family? No, that was all family time. I just want to hang out with the fam. Okay. Um, but this time I'll be, I'm going to be going up there for Thanksgiving and then performing in Portland that weekend.
weekend. I don't know if I've ever been to a show in Portland. I know I've only been there like, I think I've only been there once, but I don't know if we went to a show or we're thinking about going to a show at that time, but we didn't. Mm-hmm. I would wonder with everything going on right now, like how would it be to perform out there? I am so curious. I'm thinking, I've been thinking about my set a lot. I don't know what kind of crowd it's going to be. I don't know where the fuck it's going to be. I don't know what, like last night I'm watching phone, like videos on my phone of riots in Portland last night. Like the National Guard's there right now. Really? Yeah. 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 We're thinking about so, going over there like as a trip too. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like the, it's a bad time to go. <laughs> so I'm going to go there right after the National Guard leaves and be like, whoa. <laughs> That was crazy, right? So I have no idea what I'm gonna say. I feel like I need to address what's happening. It feels like there's an elephant in the room. So one thing about comedy that I that I hear a lot, especially on podcasts, is there's comedians that have been in, in it for a long time or people that are still trying to get established and they're using the same material mm-hmm. over and yeah. over again. It's comedians that have been in it for a long time and that's what worked for them. So they keep using the same type or similar material. And there's also new comedians that are that are trying to get established that keep throwing out the same thing mm-hmm. over and over again. And how do you feel about that? Or is that something? Well, you, you used to be or? able to before television, you used to be able to have a whole career on five minutes. Like you used to be able to like be the one of the most successful comedians in America with five minutes of comedy. Now you put on a minute and now it's that minute's gone. You can do it on stage every now and again, but you should write a new minute, do a new thing. Uh, I think that specials are too long. Too many people have specials. Specials should be like 45 minutes. And if you're fucking Chris Rock, do an hour and a half. You know, if you're Dave Chappelle, do an hour and a half. But if you're anybody else, do 45 minutes. So how do you feel about people doing the same type of material? I think it gets boring. We all see it. I know motherfuckers have been doing the same shit for 10 years. I, I know people who did the same shit for 10 years. And that's so, crazy. Hey. Every now and again, it does. But everyone in the back of the room is like, ugh. The back of the room is hates it because it's all comedians in the back of the room. All the comics are like, this. yeah, he just does this. It's not fun to watch. It sucks. Do you ever give advice to those people? Or you just I never give day? anybody advice. That's, I never give anybody advice. Maybe my friends, maybe I've been like, that was really funny, but I don't, I let people do shit their own. I'll, I'll tell people if it was whack, I'll be like, or I'll tell my friends like, oh, that was rough <laughs> if they bomb, but everyone bombs. So it's not Is it because deal. that's your, like your competition or are you just like, don't give a fuck? It's not my, it's not my part to, it's not my place to impart wisdom. We can talk about comedy as like an idea or as a whole, as like a theory or whatever, but as far as your work, that should be, we could t- even talk about your jokes and about your jokes, but lines and shit, like that should be your brand. At least my friends think like that. We all, we all write our own shit. Would you ever write for someone else? Um, it really depends. It really depends who it was. I mean, if you yeah, I don't know. I don't think so though. I don't think so because I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to do that. Do you know any comedians that they don't write any of their material and people write it for them? Yeah, I mean, there's people like Larry the Cable Guy and shit. Like I knew a couple of comedians who were buying who would sell Larry the Cable Guy jokes, <laughs> which I don't is think like that hard. they suck. I mean, like the like the jokes were just not great jokes. The jokes were like being tested out at like open mics in front of like five people. Like it's. But yeah, there are so Kevin Hart writes most of his shit. I mean, Richard Pryor, Paul Mooney. I don't know. I forgot to mention Richard. But Richard Pryor was one of my favorites. He, even he had a dude that like was his homie who he talked about every bit with, and they probably had similar ideas, and he probably had like said some of his lines on stage or spoke, came to an agreement or a thought together that he shared. You think that's inevitable if you get too big? I think with people like Kevin Hart, he can't write an hour every year. He needs help. He's, he's a mogul. He's doing so many other things. But I think if you have a real best friend, I think if you have a writing partner, that's cool. I totally see how, like, you know, that's why we hang out with each other, though. That's why we fucking go to lunch so we can kick it and talk about shit and hopefully fucking think about something stupid. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing I like about comedy is that it's always ever-changing. Yeah, that there's so many different types of styles mm-hmm. and 
This it, bubble's about to burst, though, man. I think I think it's comedy's the whole us giving everyone an hour and us being enamored by identity comedy. That shit's gonna die, and I think there's gonna be a resurgence. And yeah, shit I think you people like, are wanting that. You like. People are wanting that. People are are wanting not this like this has to be so correct, and this, like <laughs> yeah. this little perfect yes. way you package it to the people, and you have to be careful what you say, and you have to be careful on on how you say this joke, and you can't bring up this, and you can't talk about this. And people, at the end of the day, they don't care. They want to go They're somewhere laugh. to laugh. And to they feel good and to be drunk and to think that's a little like, bit. Dude, I almost rather move to Texas right now because they're like they're more laid back about this shit than we are here. That's the problem I have with stand, stand up here is like people are very uptight. People are very, very uptight. Yeah, they want to get righteous with you at the at the wrong man, time. Not right time. No, come on, man, it's a joke. And no one's trying to hurt your feelings. If someone is, it's just bun funny. That's what people who go to comedy shows and they don't think funny and unfunny. They have all this other shit. <laughs> Let's try to look into it. And you can tell those individuals that are trying to do that. They're trying to like hurt someone. They're trying to push. You know, you feel that. Yeah. You can tell when someone's like digging at that, and it's like it's mm-hmm. fucked up. Yes. And people tell when it's fucked up. Yes. But if you're just sensitive about everything, then you're not. You're not there to be to laugh. You're there to. Be sensitive. Yeah, you're there to go fight for something. That's, you, that's what you're there for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go do that on be righteous. Go do that on social media. Well, people think young people, I think the younger they get now, like the more offended they get, the more progressive or righteous they think they're being. And it's like just being annoyed or an asshole about something isn't righteous. I saw all that shit in, play out in college though. Yeah. You know, people but <laughs> people were trying guy. to find themselves and they're trying oh. to find like their identity. What they could fight for and yeah. And who's the most vulnerable so they can fight for that yeah. cause? And like you see it, and I see it now on social media a lot, and it, it does bother me because I see them fighting like that, but I re- I know that they're not out in the community organizing. They're not how they're not actually doing any work. And they're just work. talking yeah. bullshit on yeah. social media to That's get they get to get praised by their little bubble, yes. and everyone can congratulate them and they can feel good about themselves that's that and shit. and it's just selfish it really is and it's like you're not like getting anything there's some real people on social media though that are out about it and they they're out there and you know they're activists and they're doing this and that and they're actually putting work to them putting work and in but meet those people i'm so thankful we have humans yeah. like that and and the day comedians are human beings too you know they're part of the community as well and so they might say some shit on stage but i'm pretty sure they probably have their own views and stuff too so yeah you're not always going to agree with people no, and that's, you gotta be okay with that. Yes, that's and that's the hardest point. That's what we can't do right now in like just in America in general. And I see it a little bit, you know, different because I, I come from Fresno or I come from a suburb of Fresno, which is a you know, country area where it's more conservative. And coming to the big city, it's a big difference, right? You know, over there's a bubble, over here's a bubble. Yeah. But I do see, you know, different viewpoints and stuff. I have my own viewpoints. Yeah, but you gotta listen. Yeah, you gotta take in and see what people are saying. And some of that stuff, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, you know what? Sure, fuck off. You cannot but agree. It's okay. There's some things where you have to be able to have some type of dialogue. Mm-hmm. And in a comedy setting or a show, or whatever it might be, it's a dialogue you're having mm-hmm. back and forth. Well, now we think that if someone doesn't, people think that if they don't agree with you, that that person's evil or that person's just, they think it's evil. I don't know. You might be evil, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. They just don't like this shit. At the end of the day, we have to get back to what truly matters, and that's comedy. Yeah, and it's sure. laughing, yeah. and it's having a good time, and it's just not being a bad person, yeah. right? Just don't be a bad person, right? <laughs> I don't give a fuck what you believe yeah. in or your ideology, and then just don't be a bad person. Don't be a dick about don't it. Be, don't be annoying. Keep your shit to yourself. Seriously. Live in your own little bubble. Be good. Yeah. yeah. And, and fuck off. Be like, nice. Who cares? Just be nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not going to spoil my bullshit on you. Like, yeah. Can we just have that? Yeah. 
Can we go back to pretending that Dude. our vote and everything out here matters? It's, matters. it's the streets crazy right now. Everyone in the streets is like this shit. Man. Yeah. It was it, that was a cool walk to walk over to, man. It, yeah. I know. At the end of the day, man, that was times are changing. It's it's for bad. I feel feel good. It does feel, feel good. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I want people to enjoy themselves and laugh and and hear comedians like you and engage, talk, talk about issues. You know, go talk to your family members that might might have voted for the other side or might not agree with with you on, on yeah. certain issues, or talk to friends or whatever it might be. And if you could come to an agreement, that's cool. If you if you can't, that's fine too. Because well, move on. Sometimes you, when you do listen to people, like they do, their mind does change. They listen to you as well. Like, yeah. yeah, it doesn't always just have to be. It just seems like everyone's headbutting each other. Right now. Yeah, that's 2020. Yeah. And that concludes today's episode with San Francisco comedian Connor Marshall. You can find him on Instagram at Connor Marshmallowman. You can also find the podcast on Instagram at Escape from San Francisco underscore podcast. And you can also find it on YouTube as well. I just want to thank everyone that's been listening over the past couple episodes. Put a lot of time and effort into these. I don't do them all by myself. I just want to thank Hans for doing the artwork. I want to thank Jared for helping me with the digital media side. Giving me some instruction on how to edit the audio and video. I'm going to try to have new episodes up every two weeks. I hope you thoroughly enjoyed and laughed a little. Peace.